This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks to Lloyd, who was on the board, filling in for Austin producing today. Lloyd is now off. Our guy, Lundy, Alex Lumberg, is now running the show. So thanks to uh, Lundy for coming in and helping us out. We're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here in a moment. We are live from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. I'm curious to to talk to Howard what he's hearing about uh, the whole Portland situation. Yeah, yeah. it's it seems to be conflicting reports. Yeah, and I you know I always like Damian Lillard's loyalty message. I mean, it, he's always preached that and how he's do, he doesn't want to go join a super team. He wants players to come play with join him. He doesn't need to join anyone else. And I, I always appreciated that messaging, but. Seems like it's a tad bit strained right now. Well, things change, I guess, like you said. That's why some of those, and I'm not speaking specifically about Damien, but that's why some of that stuff rings hollow to me. You know, it's like, You just don't trust it. It's like you mean that now. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe you don't. But things, you know, things change, to your point. You never know what, I don't know. These are humans we're dealing with, right? So you never know what situation. Have you? Have you ever found yourself signing off on something, either a purchase or a contract or something, and shortly thereafter regret? I know, I know some people that happened to, but me, <laughs> me personally, not not really. All right, uh, it's time for your daily assist. Uh, let's get to it. Hit that open, Lundy. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Happy Friday, Howard. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Hey, uh, we're doing great. Uh, clue us in. What uh, what's going on in Portland? Is Dame Dollar on the market or no? <laughs> I mean, no one's ever on the market until they're until they are, right? And no one's ever traded until it happens, and nobody ever acknowledges anything until it happens. So the fact that he was in Vegas today with Team USA, addressing report of him wanting out and all the other stuff that's swirling about, um, you know, it followed the usual script and. If you want to view it cynically, you can look at it and say, well, he's saying all the same things that always precede a guy asking out. But um, we don't know that for sure. Um, and, you know, his main message is about the Blazers needing to improve. Well, we haven't even gotten to the offseason yet. I mean, we are in their offseason, but we haven't, you know, the draft hasn't happened. Free agency hasn't started. Um, I would think at a minimum we'll at least get into that period of the of the, the the calendar 
before he decides that. Now, now maybe not. It's possible he's already closed the door and is and it's just and it's just a matter of time before he formally asks. But if the first impulse is I want to stay, but I only want to stay if I see a path, well, that that time that time is now. Uh, I don't know if they can do enough in the next couple of weeks to change that, but we'll see. Howard, Jake and I have been talking about this all week long, and that is the whole notion of players signing big deals and then shortly thereafter or sometime thereafter uh, demanding or requesting a trade. Uh, We saw it, uh, Anthony Davis, we saw James Harden. We see these things happen. What do you make of this? What do you make of the validity and integrity of a contract signed versus the whole idea of, well, these are human beings and things change sometimes? I think that if people haven't gotten used to it by now, they need to get used to this idea. The contract is not I, player X, will play for team Y for X years and X dollars. It's I, player X, am worth this amount over this many years in this league, and this team that I'm with right now is the one that's available to pay it. Um, And in some cases, literally, because the rules are different for your own team versus other teams. And so I'm signing it because that is in my best financial interest, and it's in the team's best interest to sign up to, to lock up that player too. It's a marriage of convenience. You you re-sign the guy because you you can. The guy resigns because he wants to lock in that long-term security, and it's what he's worth. Who owns the contract? You know, we talk about pl- contracts being assigned. We talk about players' rights being traded. You know, that that's a that's a separate transaction. But the contract is really about the dollars and the years. It's not really about the player and the team specifically. This is not, I'm committed to you, the Portland Trailblazers. I know that's the way we talk about it. I know that's the way it literally looks on paper, but at any given time, they can trade him anyway without his consent and without his demanding it. So there's really no difference. I mean, the way that that you ask it, Gordon, we could just as easily ask, why would, and this has happened at times, why would the Los Angeles Clippers re-sign Blake Griffin to a max extension only to trade him six months later. So it does cut both ways. It's more often the player asking out than the team trading a guy right after signing him um, because it's usually the player that's gotten fed up with bad management or poor roster construction or whatever. But both sides have the ability to do, you know, well, well, I should say the team has much more ability because they can trade without the player's consent at all. The player has to go to the team and ask or demand and then hope that the team will actually do it. So, Howard, ultimately my question is going to be, is that good for the product? But, you know, you look at what's going on in the NFL where they are frightened to death of this concept that there's, you know, if you believe some of the reports out there, there's internal pressure from the NFL on, say, the Green Bay Packers or the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson not to give in to those player demands because they don't want to become the NBA and in some circles they're actually using that verbiage. So I guess my question is, is, is that good for the product? Um, I don't know. I mean, listen, if you are a New Orleans Pelicans fan and you had, you, know, you saw Anthony Davis force his way out seven years after Chris Paul forced his way out of the same place. If you are a Cleveland fan who saw LeBron leave or then later saw Kyrie force his way out via trade. If you're any of the teams that lost guys along the way or a fan of those teams, you're going to say it's bad for the product. It's bad for, for that team, that market, that fan base. But overall, 
you know, I mean, we're in a weird space ratings wise. So it's kind of hard to evaluate anything the last couple of years because of the pandemic and, and a lot of other stuff going on. But in general, you know, the player empowerment era has been going on for 10 years and the NBA has just continued to increase revenues, increase its reach all along the way. So at the broadest level, it's been at a minimum good for the league or, or, or either good for the league or at minimum um, neutral. I don't think it's hurt the league. It may, again, it may have hurt certain fan bases and certain franchises because they lost their stars. Those franchises bear some responsibility for that because most of them who lost their stars didn't do a good enough job to make their, uh, their team competitive or to be inviting. You know, there's some exceptions to that. Kevin Durant didn't need to leave the Warriors. He didn't need to leave the Thunder for that matter, um, but he had the right to. I like the way you constructed that, Howard. Uh, uh, the, one, the group that I feel some empathy for are fa- these fan bases you were talking about. People, yes. because this is not, you don't, you, don't, you don't glom on to your motor oil the way you do the player <laughs> on the star on the team you root for. And there's real passion. And then to see a, a, a group feel really good about a freshly signed player who's very popular and next thing you know, when he demands that trade, that I mean, it hurts people, you know? Yeah, it does. I mean, look, sports fandom is all about emotional attachment and not often rational emotional attachment. You know, the positive feelings, negative feelings, all of it, none of it's rational. You're, you're, you know, you're rooting for laundry, as Jerry Seinfeld, you know, said long ago. So there's nothing rational about it, but it is an emotional investment. And, you know, you cheer for these guys, you buy their jerseys, all that stuff. You support them during their, their rougher moments, all that, you know. And so you, you feel you're owed something, but the bottom line is it's really not about you, the fan. I mean, it, it sounds cruel, but it's not. If you're, if you're a fan of Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and they leave, it's not about you. They don't know you. They're leaving because if they, if they were to do that, it would be because of some differences they have with the franchise or saw a better opportunity somewhere else or wanted to live in a different city or wanted to be closer to family, whatever it may be. And every single one of these decisions that a player has made, it's not about the fans. You'd like to think it is. You'd like to think this is a two-way street. It's not. It's the player's career. It's the franchise's business. And you, the fan, are, are, are way down the list of priorities. That's just the way it is. So your advice to a fan would be uh, proceed with caution with your passion. Yeah, and, you know, be willing to, to, to adjust on the fly. I mean, I'll never say to a fan, you know, that, you know, that your, your feelings are invalid and you shouldn't feel hurt by a guy leaving. I'm never going to say you should be happy about it. I'm not going to say that you shouldn't feel some kind of way about it. But, you know, jersey burning and some of the stuff that's said about guys and all the other craziness that, that happens because it's some kind of betrayal, it's not about you. They're not betraying you. They don't know you. They're, they're just making whatever's the best decision for themselves. So, Howard, I've asked this question a couple of times about the, the finals series here this week, and it's, it's probably because I'm debating it in my own mind. But um, if Phoenix were to get uh, back on top of this series and win the next game, is simply going home and getting the bounce from that enough, or do they have a major adjustment they have to make? You know, um, it, it doesn't feel to me like this is about adjustments as much as it is about performance. And, you know, we have seen in this series that it's, it's, it's following the usual script of, you know, guys feeling more comfortable at home and that, that boosting guys, you know, you get a, a good Chris Middleton game, you get a good Drew Holiday game, you get a not-so-good Drew Holiday game. Um, Giannis has been the one constant for them. And with the Suns, you know, clearly Cameron Payne, 
Cameron Johnson, Mikael Bridges, all those guys were better at home. And then you've got the mysterious Chris Paul, you know, funk, which may be a lot to do with Drew Holiday's defense and maybe just, you know, Chris Paul, the accumulation of injuries, maybe just catching up to him. Who knows? Um, Devin Booker had a you know pretty lousy game three, but a, a, obviously you know nice game four, and um, you know just shifting back to Phoenix does that is that enough to push them back ahead in the series? It might be, it might be. You know it, the thing is like Giannis is having this incredible series, but I, I think it, it, it's one of those teams where you'll let Giannis get his as long as the rest of them don't, and it's not even about letting like that's the wrong way to put it. He's gonna get his, but you don't worry so much about Giannis having a dominant game as you do about whether Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton or somebody else, Brooke Lopez, somebody else has a breakout game. Those are the guys who are going to end up tipping it because Giannis is going to get his. He's that good. And so I, I think that's the deal for the Suns. They've got to contain Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday for the most part. Howard, Jake brought up a, an interesting conversation point the other day about Giannis and the way he came back from that injury. And so then we started thinking about, well, you know, some guys are out there, they're limping around. It's rather dramatic. Uh, and, and, and in the case of Giannis, I mean, he's playing like Giannis. And we don't know whether that's heroic or whether that's uh, – uh, we don't know what that is. Is he hiding his injury well or is he not that injured? Because he certainly looked injured when the, when it happened. What What's happening with him? Is he just – a tough guy? <laughs> it's a knee. So, like, there are certain injuries you can play through, and it's just a matter of managing pain. When your knee buckles like that or goes backwards, hyperextends, um, like, that's that's a fairly serious uh, injury. And that's not the injury itself. It's just what happened. But, it's it, you know, he obviously didn't damage any ligaments to the extent that he couldn't play. Um, I, I think if, there were, if it were an issue of could he have, you know, you know, worsen the injury or hurt something else, like they wouldn't have let him. And and you look at the performances he's had since then, I would just say this is a case where, to an extent, maybe the visuals looked worse than the actual because he didn't do any, any serious damage. They did round-the-clock rehab. They got a great medical team and, and, and training team there. And Giannis is a physical freak. They could, don't call him the Greek freak for nothing. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it's just one he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a Marvel. He's an athletic Marvel. I don't think there's anything more to it than that. Team USA. Um, would you take them to get the gold or the field <laughs> right now? The field. Um, and I haven't even really looked at the field to say who it would be, but it just, they, they clearly are just, you know, a mess between, you know, underperforming and some COVID issues and, you know, there's three guys who are still playing in the finals. Those guys might be gassed by the time they report. Um, I don't know. I mean, I also could see them laying in the weeds a little bit, right? Like Kevin Durant hasn't exactly been dominating these games, and he totally could. He's Kevin Durant. So, um, you know, they, they might they might just be that. Like, and that's the thing. Like, we're we're reacting to exhibition games, and I know that you know traditionally they also dominate the exhibition games, but. Um, this isn't that kind of roster right now. It, it definitely is, you know, our like our C team or something. So it's it's a little less margin for error. But um, I tend to think that once they get whole and they're actually in Tokyo, I, I think we'll see a little different look. I'd say, Howard, you got guys who who are injured. You got guys going through COVID protocol. You got replacements now: Kelton Johnson and uh, Javale McGee. 
Uh, and you got John Morant and Trey Young complaining that they weren't selected. I mean, this just seems like, is there a better way to formulate this thing, to get this thing the way, the way it should be? And for that matter, how important is this stuff? I mean, how, is import, how important is it that Team USA wins? Well, I mean, listen, you saw what happened in 2004 when that team lost or what, what did they get, the bronze or something? Yeah. They, like, you, they, that, you carry that with you. People will remember it. So it matters to them. I don't think it matters as much as an NBA championship, but it matters. Um, nobody wants to be the Team USA that falls short of the the legacy of, of, of the dream team and all the other groups that have come before them and, you know, the redeem team and redeem team two and all that. So it matters. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of, of, of motivation. I just don't know if the construction of this team is, is good enough. And, you know, you got a group of guys who have barely played together besides there's been no practice time. Well, Howard, as always, thank you very much for dropping by. We really appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Howard. Uh, Howard Becker, good friend, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated with the Daily Assist. I think I'd still take Team USA over the field. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just not as sure as I would have been a week ago. Well, yeah, they lost two games. <laughs> but, yeah, but some people are saying it doesn't mean anything. It's like an exhibition game. The players really just getting organized. Doesn't really matter. They know that. They're going to turn it on when they need to. What about the construct of the team? Uh, that, that's an interesting That's an interesting kind of discussion, I think, to have. Well, I think it's poorly constructed, but the talent eventually went out. You know, like Howard said right there, I mean, when does Kevin Durant decide, like, okay, well, I'm just going to go. Dominate. Yeah, but, that's, but part, that's, that's part of the problem. But is Kevin Durant that good? Well, he's pretty good. Right. But but that's part of the problem. This team is loaded up with a, with a bunch of ISO scores. And then you go out against Nigeria and Australia, and they're passing the ball and, and uh, sharing the ball and having fun and having a good time. And Team USC was lurching. So I don't – I don't – how do you judge whether ah they're just not trying versus uh wait maybe maybe they need someone out there who will encourage them to hit the open man right i mean that's the big conundrum right and then you got to play a little defense too well i wouldn't and, and, that's and not you brought happen. up you well, you brought up a, a good point earlier in the week and that was you know in international basketball it can get a little physical at times, and that whistle doesn't always blow. And we see in the NBA Finals, and we see it all through the regular season, that when certain players, especially quality players, get bumped around a little bit, what do they do? They complain, and they sulk, and they get angry. And they're not going to get that favored whistle, I don't think. That's nothing new about that, and Team USA is always except for 2004, has found a way to overcome that. But I don't know about this particular team. Brian Taylor is going to join the show coming up next. Uh, we, we are live today at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Our friend Clayton jumps on the show once again. What's going on, Clayton? 
How's it going, guys? How you doing this Friday afternoon? Oh, man, we are doing great. Uh, and uh, the, we were talking about earlier, this is a great weekend, Clayton, with the deals you're talking about. Uh, to get yourself geared out, get your home taken care of. Get that, uh, you know, if you've been thinking about the adjustable bed, now's the time. You know, Jake, I was thinking about it, and, you know, exactly like you said, now's the time. For those of you who don't know me, for some reason, you know, maybe you're brand new tuning in to 1280. Somehow you've missed us. My name is Clayton Curl. I'm the oldest son of Tom Curl. In the last 10 years, we've been saving Yukons on furniture like you can't believe. Our bread and butter is adjustable bases, adjustable beds, meaning you get rid of your, your box screen, you get rid of the splats, you keep the headboard, footboard, and rails. Of course, if you don't have headboard, footboard, you don't have a bed, we also sell those as well. But if you're in love with your bed, keep it. Just get rid of those box screens and splats and come get it moving, adjustable, where the head goes up by a remote where the feet can come up as well by the remote. And if you're married, you have a partner, you can get a split king size, which means his can go up while hers stays flat or vice versa. And there's no better place, not only in Utah, but I'm going to say on the west side of the Mississippi because I don't really do business on the east side, so I don't know. So I'm going to keep it safe and play it that safe part. On the west side of the Mississippi, there's no place cheaper than the warehouse. For example, I'm going to recap what we've talked about today. We have the Gordon Monson Special, which means you come in and say, I want the Gordon Monson. It's a queen size, head up and foot up, adjustable base at $17.99, which alone is a great deal. $17.99 adjustable base is incredible. But you come in and say, Gordon Monson, that you heard me on the radio, with the purchase of that base, I'm going to throw in for free a 10-year warranty mattress. Boom. Check it out. It gets better. If you come in and you apply for the West Creek financing six months with approval, one year, same as cash, no down payment, $1 application fee, I'm going to give you an extra 10% off on that queen-size Gordon Monson deal. But that's not all. We also did a Jake Scott, which is the split king adjustable, meaning his and hers. You get the split king, head up, foot up, all the bells and whistles, two, two massaging zones with the USB charging ports on either side and the LED lights, $19.99. It gets better. You come in and buy that base at $19.99. I'm going to give you your choice. You come in and choose the mattress you want. If you want a firmer, if you want it a little more soft, if you want the, the hybrid, the pure memory foam, you want the gel infused, you choose. I'll throw it in for free at that $19.99 price. And, again, today and tomorrow you come in and get that either Jake Scott or Gordon Monson deal, and you apply and get it on the West Creek financing. I'll throw in on top of that. On top of a free mattress, which is insane, another 10%. We'd love to earn your business. Come in and see us at the warehouse. Boom. 1825 South, 300 West. It's the warehouse. Take advantage of it. Thanks, Clayton. Appreciate you guys. Have a wonderful night. 
All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. We'll talk to our guy, BT, talk a little open championship straight ahead on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stood there boldly, sweating in the sun. Felt like a million. This is The Big Show Felt with Jake like Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day, strong. with no credit needed, I financing options it. available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. I was 18. Um, drove the ball great. Love my driver. Um, it's uh, everything's going really well. You know, I, I, I felt like my pace was was pretty solid. Um, I just needed to hit some putts harder, and, and that's what I did today. It's a big show. That was Brooks Kepka. Hit the driver well. <laughs> Had a solid pace. Love my driver. Hilarious. All right, it is time get an open championship update uh it's the winter golf open championship update with our guy bt it's brought to you by mountain land supply zions bank hoops vision siegfried and jensen and black desert resort so let's get out to the smart rain special guest line uh, of course uh, you hear him on real golf radio every single saturday morning he's our good friend bt what's up bt you know i'm doing pretty good uh, i love my driver that's all i have to say about that <laughs> Come on, BT. That that is pretty hilarious. That Kepka did that today after what Bryson pulled yesterday. So he he hasn't missed an opportunity uh, for sure. When Bryson split up with his caddy last week, uh, uh, Brooks went on to social media and declared Happy uh, Caddy National Caddy Day and and uh, did a nice spotlight about how much he liked his caddy. So yeah, Brooks hasn't really missed an opportunity to to get a jab in there, and I thought that was pretty clever of him. I, I mean, I guess it's. It's borderline pettiness, right? But it also is, is pretty funny. It is funny. Uh, Louis Ustazen, BT, a 64 and a 65. Man, he was in the afternoon today too, right? He is, he is playing some golf. Yeah, a 129. That's the second lowest 36-hole score to open a major championship in history. So it is the lowest in the open championship. Um, pretty, pretty impressive stuff by Louie. I mean, look, this guy's six times a runner up in majors. He does have the Claire jug from back in 2010 at St. Andrews, but it's been, you know, 11 years and he's been playing his best stuff in majors and hasn't taken home another one. So it's surprising to me. We, we may have talked about this couple, about a month ago at Torrey Pines, but Louie Eustazen just has one sweet golf swing. I mean, the guy is just absolutely fluidity in motion and he just is, uh, he's, it's a, he has beautiful, uh, action and just to watch him uh hit a golf ball is, is really enjoyable so the fact that he hasn't won on the pga tour in the united states the fact that he just has the one major championship is is a bit surprising and i think he the watching his demeanor this week even when he went birdie birdie eagle today he just gave it a business as usual wave and went about you know uh, to the next hole I, I think he's you know being six times a runner-up i think has probably jaded him to the point where He's not going to get too excited until he has the opportunity to hoist the trophy at the end of the day. So Jordan Spieth is within striking distance. He's eight under. Um, Ustazen is at uh, 11 under par. And Gordon and I were talking about this a little earlier, BT. But he's got like kind of a, an Andre Agassi-like career where, uh, you know, he was so good and was playing such great golf. And then, you know, for whatever reason, that wasn't the case anymore. And then lately, 
uh, he's putting together some some good tournaments. I mean, he won not that long ago, and uh, now he's in contention here. What take us through his story a little bit, BT? What's what do you think's the reason for uh, his career arc thus far? Jordan Spieth specifically. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he's an interesting one. You know, when he burst onto the scene, you know, and nearly became the the first player since Fuzzy Zeller to win the Masters in his first attempt. Um, you know, he, and then he just got out dueled by, uh, Bubba Watson. I, if I'm remembering all my facts, right. And then he went on to win it the next year, you know, and he won it in record fashion. And, you know, you think about the moments that he's had, you know, he won at Chambers Bay, which is a little bit of a goofy golf course, but more linksy like, even though it's on the sound and, you know, then he wins at Birkdale in 2017, you know, he had the chance at one point in time to win, you know, to, to get the third leg of the career grand slam there. I mean, he just, his, he came out and he seemed to have that it factor. He was making putts that he needed to make. He'd make putts that he shouldn't have made. And it was really reminiscent of the, the greats like the Jacks and the Tigers. And he started to get some of that mentioned because he was winning prolifically at a young age. And he seemed like one of those guys that wasn't going to have this short window. And then all of a sudden it was struggle. And, you know, he took a back seat to his, you know, uh, high school and junior c- golf competitor, you know, Justin Thomas, who soared up and, and was winning tournaments and picked up a major and all that type of thing while Jordan was searching. And you thought, you know, wow, um, how, how could he drop that far? But he just got, got a little uncertain and he started practicing really hard on his long game. And then when you're practicing on your long game, you don't spend any time on the short game. And, and then pretty soon it just, things start to compound themselves. And I think the pandemic is probably one of those things that was a benefit to Jordan Speed. One of the challenges in golf, professional golf, is when you're trying to find something, there's not a lot of time off. There really isn't an off season. And so when you're working on things and working your way through things, you're doing it in front of the cameras, especially at Jordan Speed's level and in front of the spectators. So for him to have a little bit of time off there for the pandemic, to be able to work on that in private with his longtime coach, Cameron McCormick, who he's stuck with through this whole time. And a lot of times people will switch caddies, they'll switch instructors. He stayed with them and, you know, and grinded. And now here he is coming through the other side of it. And, and he's got the swagger back. And it's just golf is, as you guys know, when you play, it, it's just such a mental thing that one little correction, one little, you start to see a little something and, and it all comes back and we're seeing him pull that off this year. And he's having an incredible year, as you pointed out, winning in San Antonio, and, and can, you know, the top tens and the contention. And now here he is again in a position to win another major championship and a second Claret Jug. So uh, golf is a unique thing. I, I love studying players and how long their windows of success stay open. And they vary. Some of them are, I mean, it, it just goes to show how brilliant Tiger was to, for a whole decade to dominate the way he did. And other windows are, are very, very short. So uh, I'm here's hoping that we see Jordan continue to come back because he's an exciting, fun player, and he, he's still super young. Maybe this is a dumb question, BT, because it's it's golf and anything can happen. But barring a Vandeveld-like meltdown, the way Louis is playing right now, how far back is too far back? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't expect that Louis would go Vandeveld. That's a, that's a good example. You know, Bob and I were just talking about it, and he, and he threw out four. You know, uh, and there's a lot of good players there for I, I might go I might go five. Look, here, here's the reason Bob's going for. And I guess I have to agree with him in some respect. The wind is just not supposed to blow the rest of the weekend. And Lynx golf courses are set up to uh, for the weather to have as big of an impact as the golf course itself. And so 
without the wind, without the weather, it is, it's kind of open season for these guys. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. It's almost Palm Springs weather out there. They're pushing mid-70s and just five, six miles an hour of wind, and that golf course just doesn't have the defense. Where if you play a standard, you know, a non-windy day, normally there would be 20 miles an hour. That's, that, they don't even call it wind at 20, you know, and out here we don't even want to play in 20. So the fact that it's five, six, eight-mile-an-hour winds, it's, it's, it's as if there's nothing and the guys are just shredding it. And so I, because of the benign conditions, I think guys, you know, we've seen the 64s already. I think guys, you know, sitting at four under par, you fire a 64 on Saturday, boom, you're there at 10. And let's say Louie doesn't push it up with another 65 to get to 16. Well, now maybe you're within four or five of the lead going into the last day. And yeah, you can run out there and try to post another number and let the pressure of the final groups get to those guys and, and see what happens. So uh, uh, normally I would say that that seven shots is too far back going through the weekend, but not with the way the golf course is playing and as talented as these guys are. Finau is uh, four under for the tournament. He was four under today. What did he figure out? What went well for him today? You know what? He, 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 he's, he's making some putts, which is, which is important. Um, Tony's had 10 consecutive rounds at the open at par or better. So, you know, while, you know, he is one that has not had his best stuff, um, he's actually plays pretty well on Lynx golf. And I think when he gets over here, the greens are a little slower, which probably helps a little bit. Um, he's knocking down for, uh, greens. He's 83%, you know, in greens and regulation. He's, he's hitting at 25% better into the greens than the average in the field. And then, you know, his putting's not that far off. You know, he's right there with his putting. And so when you look at those two combinations, I, I think that, you know, this, this probably is, and maybe we should have paid attention to this more. You know, he, he finished third the last time the Open was played at Royal Port Rush. And he's had a ninth place finish prior to that. So uh, he also, one of his best finishes at the U S open was at Chambers Bay, which is, as I mentioned when Jordan won, which is a little linksy. So I think maybe his game with his, his ability to flight the ball down. And also a key thing happened at St. George's that I didn't know about when we were previewing this, you know, last week is that the greenskeeper actually made a point to widen out the, 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 the short rough, which for intents and all intents and purposes pushes the, deep hay further away from the fairways what i didn't like about st george's over the years was that you'd hit it down the middle of the fairway and it could bounce into the deep stuff and you wouldn't have a shot so the way they've set it up now is if you hit it in the fairway the worst case you're going to have it in the rough but you're going to be able to play it not in the deep stuff that you're looking for and having to pitch out sideways you're actually going to have to hit a really bad shot to get it into there so what does that have to do with tony well bring it back if tony's only hitting 50 percent of his fairways you know he is still maybe in that first cut of rough where he does have a chance to advance the ball to the green, and I think that helps out. I think it's helping Jordan out. I think it's helping Tony out, and uh, a lot of guys that are aren't getting themselves into a lot of trouble off the off the tee. BT, give us a preview. What can we expect tomorrow morning on Real Golf Radio? We got a fun one. You know, a couple of our our uh, regulars, Jeff Babineau, veteran golf journalist and America's favorite caddy, will stop in, and then uh, just for a little treat, if you want a little bit of uh, UK, a little English culture. Our good friend James Peacock is a longtime producer for the BBC Golf Broadcast, good friend of ours. Uh, he's uh, joining us for a little bit of a British perspective, not only on the golf and the Open Championship, but he jumps in on this Bryson and Brooks thing, too, which I found was pretty interesting. And how his buddies were sitting around the pub talking about which American golfers they can root for and which ones they can't. It's, uh, it's kind of a fun discussion. So uh, tune in tomorrow morning, 6 to 9. Should be a fun show. BT, thank you for your coverage all week, and uh, we'll be tuning in for sure. It's always a pleasure to be a part of your show. Thanks for having us on, and uh, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks, BT.
That's our friend Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, tomorrow morning. And their episodes uh, surrounding the majors are always really, really good and certainly worth tuning into. Jake, we, are you really enamored with the, the Open? Enamored? No. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's probably my favorite major, but and I'll, I'll try to tune in maybe on uh, on a little Sunday. But You favor it over the U.S. Open and the Masters? I do. I don't. Uh, I don't particularly like the Masters. Uh, I definitely don't like the U.S. Open because of the way that the the USGA man- manipulates the courses with all the rough. Yeah, and, and then the 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 PGA just seems not as epic as the others. That I agree with. So yeah, I don't. I know you love the Masters, but the reason you love the Masters is the reason I don't. Actually, I, I like the U.S. Open. I think the best. And I don't. I don't want to watch. Uh, I don't want to watch them struggle. You want to see like five under every round. I don't want to see them get beat up by the golf course. I want to see them make shots. I don't want to see them pitch it out of the rough. I'd see that enough on a on the Muni on the weekend. You see that out of your game. See, a lot of people really like to see, and Austin would be one of those types that wants to see him struggle. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm I'm not that guy. Okay, all right. Well, I, I I think difficult is good. Completely unfair is gets to a point of being ridiculous. You know, I'd say widen those fairways just a tad bit. Before you start growing up that uh, ten-inch rock. How about you let them play golf? How about you let them shoot for the sticks? You know, How about you let them go out there and see if they can put up a good score. Yeah, but sometimes on some of those regular, you know, PGA Tour events, you just look at it and say these guys are destroying this golf course. That's not particularly encouraging to someone like us. Why are they looking Someone's to encourage me? Like they want to they they want to put out a product that you want to watch. <laughs> I want to see birdies. I don't want to see bogeys. I want to see movement on the leaderboard, not movement backwards. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So what do you think? Name me a golf course that when it's when that that you enjoy watching uh the 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 pros play. Is Pebble Beach good? Shinnecock you know, uh, winged foot. What? Give me the old course, man. Oh, okay. All right. I just wondered. I wasn't sure uh, where you were on that. Now you're going to tell us all the epic courses you've played. Yeah. No, got no, it. Got no, it. I'm not. No, because those courses would tear my game apart. And yeah, it's like you say. I mean, and I find that interesting that people are willing to pay so much money to go play a course that is going to make them feel really bad about their games. Uh, the Not Sports Report is coming up next. Stay tuned. Uh, our friend Ryan McDonald's going to be on the show of the Deseret News at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I know it's late. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Nevada. I don't know where in Nevada, but somewhere 
Washoe County, wherever that is in Nevada. All right, Jake, are you, do you get a little uh, concerned when you go to the dentist? Uh, I don't really care for the dentist, but I don't know about concerned. Do you do you uh, do you get nervous? No. Do you trust your dentist? Sure. Well, let me tell you about what happened in Nevada. All right. A woman there broke into a dentist's office multiple times to not only pocket tens and thousands of dollars, but also she pretended to be the dentist. She, she worked at the dentist at that office, but she was not a dentist. She was like an assistant. But she broke in. She stole $23,000 in cash, and she extracted 13 teeth from an unwitting patient, according to sheriff's deputies there. It's a lot of teeth. From one patient? From one patient. Laurel Ike is her name. Why'd she do that? Just for fun? Just says that she worked at the dental practice, but who is not a dentist, allegedly admitted to the sheriff's officers that she used anesthetic that her employer had tossed in order to sedate the person while yanking the teeth. What she did, though, Jake, with the teeth is unclear. Yeah, I, you know, even if it weren't for, even if it weren't just for this crime, doesn't that sound like somebody who belongs in jail? <laughs> what? There, why are you showing me your picture? That, that, I, I don't think I would let that woman like if you're if near you're near my mouth. If you're pulling people's teeth for fun, what else could then? She... Then you know what? You got some things to figure out. Behind it, bars might be a good spot for is you. This, is this one of those deals where she was pulling the the, the, the teeth with uh, like a gold filling in them or something? I, I don't no, know. No, it sounds like she's just yanking teeth for the fun of it. Why would somebody do that? I don't know. That's but... the unanswered question here. Yeah, she's got some issues though. There's some some underlying mental stuff to this that she's got to get to the bottom of. Plus, that's a lot of money. Thirteen teeth out of one patient. I mean, how many teeth you got? What if you came to and your dentist had pulled thirteen <laughs> of your teeth? She said, "Hey, guess what I did while you were under." <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, because for a lot of people, going to the dentist is and it's an uneasy um, circumstance. But this woman took it to a level where I, I feel for the, the patient the, the, in the chair who now is going to have to have 13 teeth replaced. I mean, was she going to put them under a pillow and wait for the tooth fairy? That was a long way to go to get to that, Joe. No, I just I, I don't know. a long way to go to get to that. What's the, what's the tooth fairy paying for teeth these days? I don't know. Well, what would it be at your house, you think? Mm, bupkis. <laughs> <laughs> the tooth fairy at your house is the cheapskate. What what kind of message are we teaching kids there? What the the money magically appears? Oh, here we go. No. <laughs> All right. You go out and work for that tooth fairy money. So the, the tooth, if, when you're when uh, Sadie loses a tooth and she puts it under the pillow, there's the, the tooth is going to be under the. The pillow. tooth is going to be under the pillow. All right. Be a lesson. You are a harsh, harsh taskmaster. I am not. I am I'm teaching good, solid habits. <laughs> Kids like the tooth fairy. So? No. All right. She's going to like to work. <laughs> You're such a tough, tough talker.
I can't wait to see how it really happens. It's gonna, this is how it's Get out there and shovel the driveway, honey. Exactly. You want to earn that tooth fairy money. <laughs> All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, our friend Clayton. We are at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. And you're you're even outdoing your normal cutting prices self today, Clayton. Hey, Jake. I don't know about pulling teeth for the tooth fairy, but, you know, with at my house, I would get, you know, anywhere from 250 to 5 bucks in straight quarters and dimes and pennies from wow. the tooth fairy. A lot of change. Well, I like it. The tooth fairy was welcome at your house, Clayton, but not at Jake's. Nope. <laughs> for sure. And guess what? With less than the tooth fairy, you can come in and get approved from our new financing company. Uh, we just secured a deal uh, last week was our first week doing it. We're full operative. All the guys at the store know how to do the applications. Uh, the company's called West Creek Financing. And the cool thing about these guys is in, in our old program with Snap or Progressive, you know, a lot of people in the Valley, a lot of our competitors use the same ones that we used in the past is those hidden fees at the moment of applying. You know, an application fee was like, oh, you have to pay $36, a $90 application fee. With these new guys, there's no funny games, no hidden application fee. It's a dollar down, and you can get approved up to one year of famous cash financing, which means you pay it off in a year, you pay zero interest. No credit needed. Come in. And the cool thing is, like I said, if you come in today and tomorrow, that's Friday and Saturday, and you buy either a sectional, one of those Clayton sectionals we talked about earlier, which I'm going to get into in a second, or an adjustable bed, and you do it on credit, you do it on this financing, the West, uh, the West Creek financing, I'm going to give you an additional 10% off. Tell them you heard me on the radio, and they'll do that for you. Sectional. You need a sectional. You know it's been impossible. Go check any of my competitors in the Valley. We're on 3rd West, so just north of me, just south of me. I'm sure you know the big guys, the big box stores. If you've, if you've gone in and tried to buy a sectional, I'm sure you know. They'll tell you 12 weeks. It might be 18. It might be 24. 36 weeks out until you get that sectional. Forget that. We've worked with a local manufacturer. We have the best name ever, the Clayton sectional. It's a 10 by nine foot sectional with a shaved lounge, either left hand facing or right, which means the chase is either on the right hand side or on the left hand side. I have 13 of them in stock at five different colors. Come in, sit on it, Tell me you like it, get the wife's approval, buy it, take it today. And if you do it on credit, an extra 10% off of $15.99. Normally this sectional or any other sectional, you know, like I said, go to my competitors, you can get a sectional for $25.99. Maybe with the construction that's going on on 3rd West, you know, you get a construction deal at $19.99. Now, come into the warehouse. Fifteen ninety nine with an extra option of ten percent on that financing, you're getting yourself into a sweet sectional. Boom, boom. Thank you, Clayton. Eighteen twenty five South, three hundred West. 
take advantage of it. Love that Clayton sectional. It is beautiful. We appreciate you, buddy. We'll see you guys in about a half hour. All right, there you go. Our friend Clayton here at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. We will have more for you coming up next on The Big Show. Ryan McDonald joins the show straight ahead on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.